Well, hello again, everyone. Welcome to the Red and White Authority. This is episode 159. As always, the Red and White Authority is presented by Labatt Blue. Whether it's winter, spring, summer, or fall, or even during a pandemic, what better way to end your day with a nice, ice-cold, frothy Labatt Blue? It is the official Canadian beer of the Detroit Red Wings, but we do ask that you drink our premium beer responsibly. With that said, let's bring in our guest, no stranger to the Red and White Authority. It's the head coach of the Grand Rapids Griffins, Ben Simon. Ben, welcome. Thank you for joining us. Yeah, good morning, Art. Thanks for having me. Thanks. Well, big win last night against Rockford at Rockford, 3-1. to one. Uh, uh, Griffin's now 2-2 two and two on this young season. Uh, ben, so far, uh, I would imagine, considering it, it didn't go so well to start the season, it's very early on, that uh, you must be pretty happy that the team seems to be picking it up a little bit. Yeah, well, I mean, I wouldn't say it didn't go great to start. I mean, if you look at the the, the parameters kind of surrounding our start, we really didn't have a, our training camp till four days prior to our first game. Uh, we did not have an exhibition game, and uh, the majority of our guys hadn't played in almost a year. So it was kind of expected to be a little bit sloppy. It was a little bit chaotic in the first game. But uh, from that point moving forward, I thought we played a heck of a lot better in game two in Chicago. And then game three in Cleveland, I thought we continually, gradually got better. And then last night, again, I think we made some progress and growth in our game as individuals and as a team with our identity and how we want to play. So a lot of encouraging factors. A lot of uh, players are, are starting to show a little bit improvement on a daily basis, on a game-to-game basis, which is uh, which is what we're looking for. Well, you know, I, I'm glad you brought it up because I, I knew what the parameters you were working under, but um, how – happy are you just to be playing hockey was there a moment maybe even a couple of months ago where the ahl future even though everybody tried what wanted to get a season together that you thought we may not have hockey this year well the whole when when the season got shut down back last spring it was you know there was so much uncertainty and there was a lot of uh i won't say a lack of communication just because there wasn't a lot of information to be conveyed so from a player's point of view, from a, from a coach's point of view, from our manager's point of view, it's you know it's tough to be in that situation where you don't have answers. And there was so much uh, just uncertainty with if we could play, how we were going to get back to playing, uh, the rules and protocols in place. How we're you know how are we going to achieve that? How can we make this happen? So uh, once everything was kind of established and we uh, had a little bit more cautious optimism that we were going to play um, and then to actually get back to playing has been, uh, has been fantastic. And our message to the guys that we keep reinforcing is, you know, this pandemic has affected everyone in some way, shape or form. And obviously it have you know, hampered, uh, shut down our season. So, uh, you know, with, even with all these protocols and it's a different season, you know, at the end of the day, we, we get to play hockey. We get to come into the rink and we get to do something we love every day. So, you know, we don't want to hear any, uh, complaining or, you know, this is, you know, woe is me. This is, this is ridiculous. It's, you know, it is what it is and every team's doing it. And if you guys want to be able to play, this is the way we're doing it. So every day poses different challenges and, and different uh, circumstances. But I think the guys have really done a really good job of, of staying focused on uh, the optimism and, and the positives of, you know, being able to come in and enjoy their teammates and compete and, and really focus on honing their craft every day and getting better and developing. 
Well, you, know, you bring up an interesting point because I've talked to several Griffin players, you know, since the pause last year, and they all tell the same story of, I guess, everybody kind of gathering together. I don't know if you had had played Iowa and won the night or if you're out on the road and forgive me, Ben, I'm going off the top of my head here, uh, mm-hmm. but you were sitting around and you, you know, almost as a team watching television. And when you saw the NBA was, was pausing, you guys kind of had a sinking feeling that eventually it was going to, uh, to reach you guys as well. Is, is that kind of accurate? And at that point, you know, do you switch not only from coach, but as you kind of alluded to just now, kind of a, a little bit of a mentor, making sure that everybody is just okay? Yeah, well, it happened, uh, it was last year, we had just played Iowa on a Wednesday night. I think we won 4-1, to one and we brought the guys in the next Thursday to, to go over some video and get ready for a game on Friday. We were getting ready to play Bakersfield, I believe it was, and that's when the NBA – had paused their season and then the NHL followed suit. So we were kind of in a holding pattern to see what was going to happen. And then all of a sudden within uh, 24 hours, less than that, they made the same decision with regard to the American league. And uh, everyone was told to kind of go home, stay at home, don't report to the rink. Uh, and then probably within a week thereafter, it was uh, everyone was kind of going home to their summer residences. So, uh, it was a little bit, uh, obviously, a little bit concerning when your players are going back to, you know, different parts of the U.S., Canada, Europe. I think we knew at that point, you know, it was going to be officially canceled. Uh, you know, even though it wasn't officially from from the league's vantage point, it wasn't uh, formally canceled. But uh, it would have been hard to restart and get everyone back in town at that point. So the fact that it dragged on so long um, was a little bit frustrating, and you know, getting players back to uh, their respective hometowns and, and keeping them connected with the with the information that we had, which at times wasn't very much, was uh, was tough. But uh, with our management team, I, I think Steve and Ryan, uh, those guys are player development team, <clears throat> player development team and uh, our leadership group did a really good job of making sure that everyone was kind of on the same page and we were uh, distributing the, the information that we did have and trying to keep everyone in the, in the loop as best we could. You know, Ben. I know we're we're all looking forward. We're all trying to be optimistic here, but I, I but I have to ask you really quickly. How did this impact you? I mean, the Griffins, as usual, were starting to make their move, uh, and I think we we're all looking forward. And you know, I am. I go. You know, you know, uh, Andrew Bossman, Christoph, and I. We come all the playoffs, and you know, hang out with you guys, and love coming to Van Andel Arena to watch the Griffins play. Um, how has it impacted your job from from the moment it's been on pause? What has it been like for you? Uh, well, again, it, like I said, it, it has impacted a lot of people in a lot of different ways. But uh, just with the protocols in place and the trying to mitigate the spread of this virus as best possible, there's really not a lot of, uh, of people around. So a lot of different people are wearing a lot of different hats. There's a lot of different responsibilities now just on a daily basis with, you know, some ancillary auxiliary aspects of the job. So uh, you know, it's everyone's kind of pulling the rope and everyone's kind of contributing in other facets that maybe they weren't doing and they weren't in that role before. But uh, it's a team effort from our front office staff here to the coaches, to the strength and conditioning people, uh, really every facet of the of the organization, both in Grand Rapids and Detroit, has been fantastic and trying to do their job as best they can 
under the circumstances and the rule, rules and parameters that are in place right now. Well, when you look at it, and uh, as you said, you didn't, you had like a four day training camp. I know that there was uh, uh, obviously uh, uh, the Red Wings had their couple of weeks training camp, no preseason games. Uh, uh, from the moment, uh, uh, you know, hockey started back up. Um, and you look at the AHL now. You're playing a a, a, a 30 game schedule uh, against teams in your own division. Um, how how do you like the way it is set up, considering the circumstances we're working under? Well, again, we we can't complain, and you know, for all <laughs> intents and purposes, it's actually it's been okay. It's just a little bit different. You know, this is our normal or new normal now, so to speak, but. Uh, it's just different. For example, uh, you know, with all three trips that we've gone on so far, uh, two to Chicago, one to Rockford, and one to Cleveland, on all those trips, we would have left the night before. So we would have practiced here, got on the bus, drove to those respective cities, uh, got to the hotel, had a meal at the hotel, uh, got a good night's sleep in the hotel, and then got up, had a pregame skate, and would play the game, and then, then we would drive home. But now it is, uh, depending on you know, what time the game is, what city it's in, how far it is. We're leaving, you know, for example, yesterday in Rockford, we had a quick little skate uh, at 9 o'clock in the morning, uh, jumped on the bus at 11.15, drove three, three and a half hours, stopped for uh, stretch our legs, uh, get a quick uh, coffee delivered to the bus there, and then jumped back, uh, you know, jumped back on and, and went to Rockford, and you get there, uh, a little bit before the game, you play the game, and then you turn around, you drive home. So, you know, it, it, they're long days. It, it is tough on the players for sure, but uh, it, it's just the way it is right now. So I think it's been a little bit of a assimilation period or a little bit more of a – not a culture shock per se, but just a different uh, mindset towards the games and how the players and coaches, how we have to prepare uh, mentally, physically, uh, how you're planning your day. Uh, with regard to game day, so it's it's been different, and obviously, playing three of the four, four uh, games on the road here is you know I, I think we're better served for it. As difficult as it's been, uh, I think we've done a pretty good job of, of managing the guys' rest and, and uh, the travel schedule and, and going from there. So you know, we're excited to get back on home home ice here and play here uh, tomorrow at home in Van Andel, but. Uh, the, these road trips have been is you know it's they're not far trips but they're long days and you know on cramped buses so it's uh, <laughs> they're long but uh, not not always easy. That's right. We're doing this on Friday, uh, February nineteenth. The Griffins uh, uh, do open up the home uh, portion of their schedule against the uh, uh, the the Cleveland Monsters uh, on uh, on the twentieth at Van Andel Arena. Uh, I know all the games are on TV this year. Uh, uh, Ben, uh, I, I, I want to go back to, uh, uh, to the, uh, your limited training camp that you had, but one thing that's new and we're watching it now, especially now that the Griffins are up and running and playing and their season has begun the taxi squad. How has that impacted what you do? Because I can remember last year, uh, when I, when I came out to, uh, uh, to Grand Rapids to do some podcasts and watch a couple of games. Uh, I think we had added it up, and there was something like 55 to 65 transactions between Detroit and Grand Rapids last year. Well, because of a taxi squad, will that even increase this year, as astounding as that sounds? 
Well, again, 55 transactions, whatever the number you just threw out, that that was just Detroit to Grand Rapids. That doesn't right. even include Grand Rapids to Toledo because there's always a domino effect uh, <laughs> right. when that happens when something gets called called uh, called up or sent down. But uh, I, I think the taxi squad's a little bit of an enigma from, uh, from everyone's point of view. I think different teams are utilizing it in different ways. Uh, it, it's interesting, though, or how teams are – are using it to, you know, if they want players sitting for long periods of time, do they want their players on those taxi squads playing? Uh, I think it can be beneficial in, in both regards. And I think it's just a matter of managing that uh, on a daily basis and making sure that, you know, everyone that's involved is is getting what they need, whether they are on the taxi squad or whether they're down in Grand Rapids and making sure that everyone's contributing and someone, you know, is making sure that these guys are developing. And I think that I can speak firsthand in Detroit that I know that they've done a great job with the guys on the taxi squad up here and with the communication and when they're calling guys up and sending guys down uh, to, to play down here and having a game plan as to what's expected down here. Well, I know that Ryan Martin's a general manager and, you know, and obviously I know that you're in contact with those guys. And I, I know Ryan has spent uh, uh, some time in Grand Rapids significantly when just about when the season was uh, about to start. I, I mean, would Giovanni Smith be one of those players that just needs to play at this point he was he's played in Detroit some games this year actually has looked pretty good uh but through injury and COVID protocol he was on the taxi squad and then Grand Rapids started their season and the Red Wings kind of looked at it and said you know Giovanni just needs to play games so he goes down there to play but do you see it being more of a revolving door policy? If Giovanni plays very well in Grand Rapids, and I know he had an uh, assist last night on Chase Pearson's goal, the the empty netter that sealed it for 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 the Griffins. I mean, do you do you see it being uh, that kind? Of, you know, I, for lack of a better term, all I can call it is a a revolving door policy. And even though it may be a, a revolving door policy, it would be something that I would imagine that you're almost kind of used to based on, as you said, all the transactions that you have, not only between Detroit and Grand Rapids, but uh, Grand Rapids and Toledo. Yeah. Well, again, it, whether it's a taxi squad in place or not, uh, there's always going to be call-ups. There's always going to be injuries and you know, you just, you, you deal with it as best you can down here. And, you know, with that being said, whether you're sent down or whether you're called up, it, it means opportunity for someone. So, uh, that's always a good thing, uh, the opportunity to come in and, and play and play a lot and play well. And whether you're getting sent down to, to play a more significant role down here, uh, whether you're called up or assigned from a, a lower level, uh, whether or not uh, you're going to get more of an opportunity from that vantage point uh, is, you know, I, I think it's very great for, for all the players involved. So, you know, with, with Giovanni specifically, uh, you know, he went from playing – 10 to 12 minutes in Detroit to, you know, he played almost uh, 18, 19 minutes last night. So, uh, you know, he's on the power play here. He killed some penalties last night. He's put in a lot of different situations where I think as a player from a developmental point of view is, uh, you know, players, I think players always want the, the shortest, quickest route to the NHL. And sometimes that's not always the right route. Right. So, you know, for, for Giovanni to come down and play significant minutes to, to play in a bigger role down here, uh, to have those experiences as a player, I, I think that he's going to be way better served than playing a limited role up there, even though he obviously wants – everyone wants to be in the NHL. And, you know, the, the development curve for some guys is uh, is just a little bit different. Sometimes it takes a little bit longer than, than players would like. Uh, I know as an organization we don't want to sacrifice uh, 
timing for for development. So if, if guys need to develop, they need to play more significant role down here. Uh, that's the game plan. That's what we'll do. And, uh, you know, we'll see if, if and when the opportunity comes back for guys like Giovanni, uh, if and when he goes back up, that he's better served for it from his experiences here. Well, you, you bring up an interesting point because Giovanni Smith I'm rather close to because he's one of our uh, player bloggers. So he, he writes a, a blog uh, for DetroitRedWings.com. And it's really interesting. I could tell when he talks specifically about you and the coach-player relationship, your relationship has really evolved quite nicely. I, I, I think in the beginning you saw potential in him, I, you know, and he was learning how to become a pro. Let's put it that way. Uh, can you uh, talk about that relationship that you have with Giovanni? Because, you know, he talks about you in, in glowing terms now. Not that he didn't in the beginning, but, I mean, it really has evolved quite nicely. I mean, he understands what what you're trying to do for him. Yeah, well, I think that, you know, at the end of the day, these players – know that we we genuinely care for them as hockey players but also as, as people and I think that you know, sometimes that can get lost in the in the cutthroat business of pro sports but our job down here is to develop these people first and foremost as hockey players but secondarily as people and professionals and I think that you know some people you know when Giovanni first walked through those doors uh, you know he had a lot of learning to do just off the ice with uh, I don't want to say not being professional. It was just being, uh, being more of a pro. And I think that right. from uh, the leadership group that we have with some of the older players, it was great for him to be around those guys, learn their off-ice habits. Uh, and juniors, I think that he had success because he's a big, strong kid that could really just be a man amongst boys down there. Now when he comes to the American League, you know, everyone's kind of bigger. Everyone's kind of stronger. So he had to kind of find ways to to continue to develop, and maybe it wasn't always as easy. But I think that uh, you're seeing growth and stride in in his game because of what he's learned, not only on the ice, but I think a lot of it has to do with off the ice and, and his you know his eating habits, his uh, workout routines, his off ice uh, preparation. I think that that's all kind of being reflected in the the amount of time and effort that he's put into that. So. Uh, Giovanni cares. He wants to be in the NHL. He's a hardworking kid. He's a great kid. Um, I can't say enough about him as, as a person. Uh, but again, he's he's in a spot now where he's got to come down here. He's got to continue to to hone his craft. He's got to continue to focus on those little details, both on and off the ice. And uh, again, coming down with the right frame of mind to to get better, to improve on a daily basis. And so far, he's done that. Uh, when you look at uh, uh, o overall, I, I, the, as the Red Wings are now going through their rebuild, retool, whatever you want to say, it has impacted the Griffins as far as there seems to be a you know a, a young a bit of a younger roster. You're getting more prospects because the Red Wings have drafted, I think, over the last three years, like 44 guys or the last four drafts. The, with the amount of picks Detroit has had, it's it they've had uh, like six drafts all, all tucked into four drafts, if that makes any sense. And uh, I I would imagine it right now the the impact on your job is that even though you want to win and Grand Rapids is a great organization and you guys are always uh, uh, always challenging for the championship, um, how has your job changed as as your roster has gotten younger? Well. Uh... I think the philosophy has remained the same and it's developed first and foremost. And I think that it's always been here where if you continue to develop and you're continually getting better, you're naturally going to be better as a team, as individuals, and the wins are going to, are going to follow suit. So uh, 
that just kind of comes hand in hand. So our job is to make sure these younger guys are getting better on a daily basis. Uh, they are. And I think that's going to continue to reflect in, in the wins and losses column. But we are certainly not here to sacrifice wins and losses at the cost of uh, developing players. So uh, our first goal is to develop players so that they're ready to go up to Detroit if and when their number is called. And uh, when they're down here, uh, make sure that they're uh, buying into what they're doing, the development process. And if they are developing, they're naturally going to get better and the team's going to get better. Well, you named Brian Lashoff captain, and, you know, it seems that, uh, you know, Brian has been part of the Detroit organization since the days of Gordie Howe. You know, I'm being a bit facetious here, but he's been here a long time. How important is it to have such a leader like Brian Lashoff wearing the C right now for the Griffins? Now, well, I, I think that just through the years here in Grand Rapids, uh, uh, the management team has done a really good job of bringing in not necessarily the most talented veteran players, uh, but just character guys that are just consummate professionals. I think Brian epitomizes what they want out of, you know, a Grand Rapids Griffin or a Detroit Red Wing player. Uh, his work ethic, his approach to the game, his attention to detail both on and off the ice uh, is phenomenal. And he, I keep telling people when they ask me about, about lashes, you, you don't happen to play for the same organization for 12 years or 10 years, whatever right. it is. Yeah. Uh, he does everything the right way. So, uh, we're lucky to have a guy like him. Uh, our younger guys are, are should be sponges around him and pick up every little nook and cranny, every little detail that he uh, that he does. And I think our younger players, especially our defensemen, being around him are, are going to be well served in the future. And uh, I, I think it does go under notice sometimes uh, the role that those older guys do play and how integral they are in the development of our young players. And to have guys like Lash. Mac on the back end, uh, especially, are are huge for us in a coaching staff. Well, when you look at it, and and you're right, you have Mac, uh, Dylan McElrath, uh, Brian Lashoff. I would even say perhaps Joe Hicketts is now becoming into that kind of veteran category too. I mean, you seem to have a nice real core of. Uh, uh, of players who have not only bought into the uh, uh, Red Wing Griffin philosophy, but have also become almost pillars in the community. I mean, this is, you know, they've taken to Grand Rapids as well as Grand Rapids, the community, as well as the city. I, I would, is that a fair assessment? Yeah, well, I think these guys generally care. So I, I think that that's a great thing. When you when you really care and you're buying in, you, you, you generally care about how the organizations reflect in your community, how you're uh, perceived in your community, and I think uh, I think our, our front office staff does a great job of getting these guys into the community. Obviously, this year is a little bit different with the uh, with the pandemic, but uh, you know we take pride in that. You know we want to be professionals. I think it's great for the guys to give back the, to the community because you know the support that we get from them is, is tremendous. So when we can give back, uh, I think it's a great opportunity to do so. And these guys are all in and, and ready to contribute when they're asked to. Well, it, it, it's a great environment. I mean, I really enjoy going to Grand Rapids. Uh, uh, you know, the, the the quality of hockey, uh, you know, the AHL, second best league in the world, bar none. And uh, uh, it, it, it's just, a, it's really a great setup. I've always have encouraged 
uh, everybody, all hockey fans uh, within the sound of my voice right now, if you have an opportunity to catch a Griffins game, you must certainly do that because it is just not only fun, but it's just a, a great experience. Uh, let's turn our attentions to uh, this upcoming season, Ben. 30-game uh, schedule, as we said. Uh, Griffins open up the season, on uh, home portion of the season on February 20th against the uh, Cleveland Monsters. And until very recently, I still thought we're the Lake Erie Monsters. So goes to show you, uh, I, I just like that name a lot, I guess. I, I, I refuse to call them Cleveland. But uh, with with all that said, how different is it with, with all the protocols? Fans, no fans, Zoom calls, no interaction with the media. Uh, how has, uh, how have you adjusted to that? Well, I'm struggling on art. I don't get to see your sparkling face right. in person, but right. uh, <laughs> it's, uh, it, it's just different. And, uh, you know, it's, it's not necessarily a, a bad difference. It's just a different difference. So, um, it, it's tough to, you know, we're not looking at it as, oh, it could be like this. We miss that. It's, hey, you know, this is what we're doing. This is great. We're playing hockey. We've got the opportunity to come in and do our jobs. So, you know, we don't really think of it like that. Well, when you know, and I, and I like that. I mean, you're, you're, you're out there playing. I, I've tried to explain to fans that when, and this is mostly kind of a, I use a football analogy. I've gone to a lot of Michigan games as a member of the media, and at certain times they let you down on the on the stands. And there's like you know, like it's the city of Warren, Michigan, or something in there every Saturday. You know, over a hundred thousand people or something. But when you're on the field and you're looking at, and I'm not even playing, obviously, but you kind of tune it all out. You even forget there's people around you, you know, because you're so focused. So I would imagine, even though you want fans and they do pump you up and all that kind of stuff, for the most part when it's time to play for keeps or take care of business, I think professional athletes are able to channel a lot of everything outside and just be focused on the task at hand. Is, is, is that correct? Do you think? Yeah. Well, you know, we talked about that before the year and, you know, our coaching staff, uh, we addressed that. We talked to other coaches that have been involved in the, in the bubble in the NHL playoffs last spring. Uh, talked to obviously Ryan Martin, our GM was involved in the world juniors, right? Uh, in, in a bubble situation there where there were no fans. And there, there was a little bit of a concern with, uh, you know, with no fans, how awkward it might be, how quiet it could be. And you know, we talked to our group about uh, manufacturing our own energy. So, you know, in, in a normal game on a big block shot, a big hit, a big goal, a big save, you know, the, the tide can turn with the, the fans and you can kind of feel that energy, especially in Van Andel where we've got a great crowd and great support. Right. Uh, where it just it isn't there anymore. So, you know, we've encouraged our guys to, you know, we got to find a way to to generate our own uh, emotions. We got to make sure that, you know, when when there is something positive, that everyone's everyone on the bench lets them know. Uh, when something bad happens, we can't let anything kind of dissuade us from from regenerating that energy back in the positive side again. So, I think our guys are doing a really good job. It has been a little bit awkward, but I think from a player's point of view, uh, talking to other coaches. They're, they're different uh, philosophies and different opinions. And some coaches I talked to said it was really weird. Not when other coaches, they said it didn't really make a difference because the players are just worried about playing. And that that's enough in and of itself. But uh, i tell you right now, in, in Chicago, it's a little bit different because the arena where the Wolves are playing out of is uh, essentially a community rink. So it's a smaller size building. That, that in and of itself is a little bit different. Right. Uh, Cleveland, when we played in Cleveland, they had some fans. I think they had, I don't know what their limit was, but 2000 fans. So that was 
you know, nice to see there. And then in Rockford, there wasn't a single person in the building, but they're playing out of their arena. So um, they piped a little bit of uh, fake sound, I guess, whatever you call it, uh, into the building throughout the game. So a little bit different for sure. But uh, I think that the biggest thing that I've noticed is it's kind of forced our guys to be more vocal and more supportive uh, during the play, during the game, and uh, more positive. So I think as a coaching staff, we've tried to be way more positive in that regard, and I think that uh, I think that it's paying dividends. You know, as a coach, I know this is going to sound kind of strange, but uh, Van Andel, I'm under the impression that there's not going to be fans at Van, in Van Andel this year, or at least to begin the season. Uh, well, right now, uh, it's just going to be opened up to friends and uh, family of hockey ops people and, and scouts. Uh, they kind of want to see, from my understanding, I don't want to speak for anyone uh, in the organization, but that's uh, what we're going to go with, just kind of go through a little bit of a walkthrough here, so to speak, and then they'll make the decision and assess where they're at with the local protocols, what's allowed, what's not allowed, and then make the determination as to whether or not they will open up to more people and or uh, when that'll happen. So uh, the sooner rather than later would be, uh, what I would say would be best, but again, they're obviously we're not going to sacrifice the safety and health of uh, anyone involved uh, just to get some fans in the building. Well, certainly, it sounds exactly what the Red Wings have gone through. The Red Wings have slowly but surely even opened up a concession stand or two at Little Caesars Arena. They have a uh, a fan lottery, so they're they're slowly opening up. Um, it's, it's the same with hockey ops and friends and family uh, when the Red Wings began their season. So it sounds like you're following uh, the same path. I'm kind of curious, Ben, and this is a little bit off the wall. Then I want to get into some specific players and we'll let you go because I know you're very, very busy today. You have a big game coming up uh, uh, against the monsters here, but uh, um, if it do, do they contact you or do they, do you have any say in kind of what kind of sound you would like or cheering or, or game presentation uh, or, or do you just leave that to the hockey ops people or, or would you like to say, yeah, Hey, you know, pump in some crowd music or, or, or music or do this or try to create an environment as if there were fans there. Uh, well, you know, they're, they've been doing walkthroughs here throughout the week, kind of making sure all the I's are dotted, T's are crossed with regard to how teams are going to enter the building, how shovel crew is going to work, how the audio is going to work. Uh, but, no, you know, I, I've got enough to focus on, know you on the hockey side of things. But uh, <laughs> I, I fully trust our, our staff in charge of that. Uh, Eric Naki's in charge of that. Does a fantastic uh, Does a fantastic job. All right, Ben. Let's uh, let's go back to last night's game, uh, uh, Wednesday's game against uh, Rockford. You win three to one. Michael Rasmussen gets a, a power play goal. Dennis Chalowski has a couple of assists. Riley Barber scores a goal. Chase Pearson uh, scores an empty netter. Uh, Giovanni Smith, Dylan McElrath. So when I'm looking at the score sheet, I guess what I'm saying is I'm seeing a lot of game, uh, a lot of names on the score sheet last night that excite Red Wing fans. Let's begin with Michael Rasmussen, who. Uh, again, his hand-eye coordination and his ability in front of the net is—I uh, I just almost think second to none. It's—it's it's quite a talent. Um, where do you think Michael is in his development of being an NHL-caliber center? Because that's where obviously he's going to play in Detroit. Oh, I, I think Michael's made tremendous strides over the past year. I think he's skating a lot more fluidly. I think he's uh, moving a lot more. Uh, quickly, both with and without the puck. I think that he's processing the game 
a little bit quicker and uh, he's doing a good job of being a little bit more physical. So uh, it's for him, it's doing it on a consistent basis and, and making sure that he's heavy on that puck uh, down low in the corners, being hard to play against. Uh, he's playing net front on the power play. He, he's getting penalty kill opportunities. So uh, he's doing a lot of good things right now. And again, it's just making sure that he's doing it on a consistent basis and really continuing to, to elevate his game on a daily basis. You know, he seems to have a, yeah, I, I've always, I, I, you know, I keep saying this about him. I don't know how old he is now, 21, maybe 20, but he's the most serious 21-year-old in the entire world. I mean, he is a very focused young man. I would imagine somebody like that, I don't know if they're easy to coach, but they really take what, whatever you say uh, to heart and really try to incorporate it into their game. No, you know, I, I think that's, uh, I think that that's not a bad thing to, to be very, I'm trying to find the right word, but uh, very pointed and very uh, proud in your in your craft. I mean, he comes to the rink every day with a purpose. He wants to get better. He's very professional. Um, but at the same time, this year, he's I, I think he's really done a good job of coming down. He's he's having fun. He's smiling more. Uh, he's being more vocal on the bench. He's being more vocal on the ice. Uh, and to show those emotions, I think is great. So. Uh, you know he's he's making strides in the right direction. We're encouraged with where he's at right now, mentally, physically. Uh, you know, and last year when when you look at it, he he had a tough year because he was playing some good hockey, and then he got hurt, right. and then he came back. He was playing, started to play really well again, and then it was derailed again by some injuries. So uh, it's been tough for him to now that he's healthy. Uh, you know, he we're looking forward to, to a healthy Michael Rasson, knock on wood, uh, to continue to in his development curve and his growth. Right. Uh, you know, another player that uh, obviously we have seen, even up here in Detroit when he's been with the Red Wings, what he can do on the power play as a quarterback, and that's Dennis uh, Chalowski. Uh, how is how is Dennis coming together? I know that you know he, he probably needs to round out his game a little bit, but really, especially with the way the Red Wing power play has been struggling this season, you know, he could be maybe the answer to that if his game comes around. How is Dennis developing? Oh, I, I, again, Dennis, uh, he's, he is quarterback of the power. He's got to prove that he is elite at uh, owning that craft on the power play. Right, he's right. got to prove that he is controlling the game uh, five on four, especially. Uh, we talked to him about just owning that craft, being that guy on the power play, uh, but also his five on five play. I think that uh, the, the last couple of games here, he's been a little bit more involved physically, um, you know, everyone talks about, you know, work, you know, go down, work on defending, defending, defending. And uh, he, he's coming in, he, he's shown proactiveness in wanting to defend harder, being harder to play against. And I think you're starting to see that uh, in flashes, uh, in corners, down low in battles. Uh, but I think he's skating with the puck. I think he's doing a lot of good things with the puck. And, uh, you know, he, he's in a good spot as well. So, uh, you know, he's... Uh, He's another guy that has come down with a great attitude, great mindset. He's coming down with a positive attitude, uh, working hard every day. Uh, he does a lot of the little things off the ice that uh, are, are you know, good habits, and I think that uh, that does translate, and it's correlating to his game on the ice. Well, another player I want to talk about is Tara Horosi, whom obviously uh, was a star at Michigan State. Uh, has had flashes here in Detroit where he's shown his talent. You know, really a, a thinking man's type of player. Uh, 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 how is uh, uh, Taro rounding out? Well, again, we're, we're 
he's only played one game for us down here. So, um, and I think people forget that, you know, he's only a second year pro. Right. So, uh, He's a smart player. He's got great patience and composure. But the biggest thing that I've noticed about Taro this year is his uh, his speed and his agility, his explosiveness, and his separation speed is just a little bit quicker this year, noticeably quicker. So uh, jumping through holes, uh, giving and goes, getting around guys, uh, going to those hard areas, I think that uh, it's a noticeable difference from even the end of last year to this year with uh, with his speed and his skating. You know, I know because uh, some leagues are on pause and the OHL and some European leagues have canceled it. You know, it, I, you know I, I talked to Ryan Martin about this. I'm having trouble trying to figure out who's playing and who's not playing, uh, you know, around the world right now. But a very mm-hmm. interesting situation with a player that you have is a Red Wing draft pick from, uh, from, from, from the past draft is uh, Donovan Sobrango, who is only 19. I guess he... If the Kitchener Rangers get their season going, he goes back to Kitchener. I mean, how does that work out? I was so surprised when I saw him on Grand Rapids roster, knowing that, for lack of a better term, he's an underager, so to speak. Yeah. Well, again, he uh, with the OHL being shut down, they they allowed those kids that wouldn't have any place to play if the American League team, if they were drafted, they allowed them uh, the ability to come here and play and obviously uh we gave donovan an opportunity to come in and play and he's done a great job uh had a nice little uh tussle last night but he's a physical kid he he's a great skater uh the first week he's here practicing you notice a great skater uh does a lot of little things that might go unnoticed but uh he's he's slowly uh kind of getting his feet under him here he's getting some traction he's playing very well for for a 19 year old kid coming in here i think he's doing a lot of good things so uh, we're encouraged by that. We didn't expect to have him this year and to, to be able to get him, get a look at him and not only just get a look, but a significant look. He's playing, uh, he's playing significant minutes for us. He's come in and he's contributed and he's doing a lot of good things. And for a young kid to come into this league, it's not easy. So he's doing, uh, he's doing a lot of great things. So, uh, again, the kind of, a a, a blessing, a, a welcome addition, and we'll see, uh, we'll see how he evolves, uh, and where, where this leads to, but, Again, I don't, I'm not sure what the plan would be if and when the OHL gets back up and running. Uh, but while they're shut down and he's here, we're going to work with him, and he's going to be given the opportunity to play play big minutes for us. Right. So so at this point, we're not sure if, if Sobrango has to go back to the O or if he can stay up in AHL. That has yet to be decided? That is – I haven't had those conversations yet. And, you know, I, we talk <laughs> about just the, on a daily basis, win the day and uh, – we're going to try and get through today, and then once tomorrow comes, we'll get through tomorrow. But right now, today, Donovan's coming to the rink. He's available to us, and we're going to focus on going out on that ice today and getting better with Donovan. <laughs> right. No, that sounds good to me. I mean, I I, I I was pleasantly surprised, Ben, when I saw this, especially since uh, mm-hmm. he did get in a little uh, a scuffle with a nice dog uh, uh, on Wednesday and, and, and really held his own. Uh, Gus Lindstrom, very intriguing player, uh, was on the taxi squad uh, didn't get any time here in Detroit when he was on the taxi squad. Came to Detroit last year. Did not look out of place. A really steady player. How is his development going? Um, again, Gus was a pleasant surprise last year. We didn't know much about him coming in. and uh, He went up and contributed nicely for Detroit. And uh, He's got to come down here and he's got to make sure that he's doing what he did to get back to Detroit. And that's being sound away from the puck, making quick decisions, uh, being good on the P.K., 
uh, if and when he gets an opportunity on the power play, that make sure he's moving the puck, he's contributing there, and just just really being a solid two way guy. And again, another kid with a great attitude, great work ethic. Um, I can't say enough about his character. Uh, I always tell people I've never met a Swede I don't like. So just a good <laughs> good kid. Um, he he really does have. Uh, a, a great hockey mind where he thinks a game. Uh, you just got to make sure he's being assertive both with and without the puck at times. But again, Lindy uh, has done a lot of good things and, you know, hopefully uh, he continues to evolve and, and grow here as a player. A player that I really like, and I know that he hates this, but Ken Cal and I nicknamed him Peach because he's from Georgia. Uh, not mm-hmm. a whole lot of hockey players, but that's, of course, Chase Pearson. I don't know what it is about this young man there, Ben, but I, I just see NHL player on him. You know, I, I think that uh, he's got leadership capabilities. He's a big body, and he seems to be one of those guys, whatever role he can fill on an NHL roster, he's going to make himself that type of player, if that makes sense. You know, I, I think the chase has got uh, he's got some physical attributes that he, he's got an NHL body for sure. He's a big, strong kid. Uh, when we talk to Chase, and you know, this is he, nothing that he's not aware of, is he's got to be uh, more assertive with the puck, taking pucks to the net, dropping his shoulder, being a little bit harder, getting a little. We talk about getting a little bit greasier, getting a little bit uglier at the net front, uh, defensively using his body and his strengths to his advantage. Uh, ending plays quickly as a centerman uh, down low in the D zone and really down low in the O zone is just using that size and, and strength to his advantage and holding on the pucks down low. And if and when he gets an opportunity to get to that net front, taking pucks to, to the net hard. Um, uh, he, he's a great penalty killer. He's a smart kid. He sees plays uh, develop pretty well. He reads the game well. So, uh, you know, he, was out for a little bit, he missed a week last week uh, after a hit, and he's back in. So yesterday was his first game back in a little bit. So uh, slowly weaning him in back to where he needs to be. So uh, we'll see where he is tomorrow. All right, and we're almost done here, Ben, I I, I promise. I, but I, I, I need to ask you about a couple of guys you had last year uh, on your roster in Grand Rapids who are now playing in Sweden, uh, sure. um, Mo Sider and Joe Valeno. How much have you been able to – um, I don't know, check in with those guys since they're on different teams, but watch them play. And uh, I, I would imagine Valeno, his team's not very good in the SHL, the Swedish Hockey League. He'll probably be back to you. I don't know where Mo's at right now with his injury or where he's at as far as will he uh, go to GR or will he go to Detroit as soon as his season in Sweden's uh, uh, over. Kind of just an update on where you think their progress is and uh, maybe what their future holds. Yeah, well, I know both uh, both guys were excited to go over and play, and we made the commitment as an organization that they were going to go over there for the entire season, the duration of the season over in the Swedish League. Uh, we do watch their games. We've got the ability to watch the games, so we do keep tabs on them. Uh, I'll check out the highlights every now and again, go on uh, a site that we have to watch them, their shifts. And I think Joe's, uh, Joe is, Joe's doing a really good job of learning both sides of the game. Uh, he's playing a lot of minutes over there. And I think uh, Mo's having a great year as well. Uh, I forget what the the record was with the twenty year old defenseman in that league or nineteen year old defenseman, um, but he's just having a tremendous year. It was, it was disappointing to see him get hurt, uh, but knowing Mo, he'll be back as soon as he humanly he can. And uh, once their seasons are over, I don't. I, I 
honestly not privy to those conversations, what the game plan is just yet, because it's still uh, a little bit to go. But if and when they, they would come here, we're going to be going to welcome them with open arms and look forward to catching up with them. You know, one final player I want to ask you about, and I, I don't know how much you've had to see him because he he's only been part of the Red Wing organization since the last draft. But then again, Donovan Sobrango, if uh, he's a precursor to what this draft class is all about, uh, Lucas Raymond should be a superstar. Uh, uh, but uh, be a little bit facetious here. But have you checked him out? Do you sit here? Do you allow yourself to dream, Ben, and say, "Wow"? I can't wait to see this guy in a uh, you know a Griff, you know in a Griffin's jersey or or anything like that. Can, did, have you been able to I guess assess what type of talent uh, this young man could be? Uh, you know what, Art. To be honest with you, with, with our team here, uh, you know we we talk to our player development guys, and you know we we're aware of guys that are in the pipeline, but. Uh, right now we've got our guys here that we need to worry about. Those guys are doing a great job over in Europe. Uh, and if, and when they're, they do come over here and, and they, if they do happen to end up in Grand Rapids, then obviously we're excited to get them. I think that, uh, the players that have been drafted and just seeing a few of them in the last couple of years, you know, with sides, with, with Valeno, uh, with, with Sobrango now, and you see some of these other guys on tape. Uh, it, it's exciting to see some, some of the talent, some of the players that are coming through the pipeline here. So uh, the future does look bright. Uh, but again, we, we can't look too far into the future. We've got a lot, uh, lot to worry about short term here as well. Well, you know, in short term, and one final question, I mean, a 30-game schedule, uh, you know, I, I know they say, and all within the division, divisional games are always four-point games. I would imagine all divisional games, oh, just a 30-game schedule. What is each game like a 10-point game here, Ben? I mean, yeah. th- you know, I mean, if this is this is some intense hockey that, uh, that, that the Griffins are going through right now. Yeah, well, it, it's interesting because, you know, we're playing 30 games, but that that's not necessarily true for every other team in our division. So right. it's a little bit different. It goes by winning percentage. Uh, Texas is playing a different number of games than us, uh, and we don't play Texas. So Cleveland's playing a different number of games than us, and we play them uh, eight times as opposed to we play Chicago ten times. We play Iowa only four times. So it's it's not a balanced schedule, but – you know, it never really has been in the American League, anyways. Right. But uh, you know, it, it's it doesn't matter really. You know, with, with four point games, two point games, our, our goal as a team is to make sure that uh, we're focused on our group, uh, our team, and make sure that we're uh, playing to to our identity and our potential every game and every day we come to the rink. Well, I'll tell you what, Ben, I mean, just watching you, you know, watching your teams play, your Griffins teams play, watching you, how you conduct a practice, you know, seeing you, whether it's here at, at Red Wing Training Camp or uh, on the ice at Van Andel, um, you do a superb, superb job. It's a great organization, and uh, you're definitely uh, a great addition to uh, this Red Wing organization, and uh, your teams are always ready to play. It's always a pleasure to have you. Uh, on the Red and White Authority podcast. Uh, best of luck uh, in, in this season, and uh, we'll talk to you very, very soon, Ben. Thanks for joining I, us. I appreciate it, Art. Thank you very much, and stay safe, and we'll uh, we'll be in touch. Okay, thanks, Ben. All right, have a great day. You too.